3: Right now we're working a missing person, a mother of three.
0: There's a neighbor of mine that was reported missing by her husband today.
3: If you don't think that the husband is somebody that we have to iron out.
4: It took for him two days to report her missing.
3: Let's face it, she could be dead somewhere.
4: They found the garbage bag and it just stunk so bad.
3: We have a job to do.
0: I don't know what to do. I'm I'm nervous that maybe something's happened
3: to her. We have to look at you first.
2: We have a goal. And our goal is to find your mom, okay? <laughs> I'm Scott Weinberger, investigative journalist and former
1: deputy sheriff. I'm Siga Nicolazzi former New York City homicide prosecutor and host of Investigation Discovery's True Conviction.
2: And this is Anatomy
1: of Murder. In today's story, while the subject matter may be similar to other things we've talked about before, you're really going to see and feel how an investigation works from the inside looking out.
2: Here on AOM, we always try to do as many things as we can to give listeners a complete 360-degree view of a case, including whenever possible getting the actual audio used in the investigation. We're talking about 911 calls, interviews with the witnesses, interviews with suspects, confessions, and the one unique thing about today's case, there is a ton of it. And it will take you, the listener, back in time to when this crime occurred, and you'll witness this investigation in real time, just as it was for the detectives.
1: We're heading to Miramar, which is a city in Florida, west of Fort Lauderdale. The day is Monday, April 2nd, 2012. And on that day, 911 dispatchers received this call.
3: Yeah, just a second. Can you hear me? I just dropped the phone, all right? Hold on. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you loud, please. All right. Hey, listen, uh, my wife's been missing. Saturday she wasn't here. Suddenly I definitely did it. I mean... um. And it was 1 and she didn't show
2: up The caller is 38-year-old Sid Torres. The woman he's reporting missing is Valette Torres, who's his estranged wife. They've been married for 13 years, and they had three children, ages 5, 8, and 13.
0: Okay, so she's been missing since Friday? Yes, I, I guess. Do you all live together? Yes, I know. I mean, do you live there with her or no? Yes, I do. We're separated, okay?
2: And now the call comes in on a Monday, but Vallette, according to Sid, has been actually missing since Friday. So two whole days have passed without him reporting her missing.
1: And also, it sounds like he's in his car driving, and I found that a very odd place to be filing a missing persons 911 call. How about you?
2: I don't want to read too much into the call, but in most cases, people, as you said, would not call from their car. They would call from their home. But in this case on their way to work, and also one other thing, not to expect that law enforcement would respond right away, that is a bit odd.
0: All right, we'll get someone over there,
3: okay? Well, right now, I was on my way to work, but then I'm gonna go back, okay? So, because I'm not in the house right now.
0: Okay, how long is it gonna take you to get back over there?
3: <laughs> oh, shit. it's gonna
0: take me about 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Because I already put a call in, so... <laughs> uh, I'm gonna be, uh...
1: He definitely sounds and almost says that he's reluctant to go back when the dispatcher says that the police are going to go there so he should meet them.
3: Almost 30 right now and uh, I'm going back. I'm going back, all right? All right, we got, we're on the way though.
0: All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh-huh,
1: Dispatch sent police to the home to meet with Sid, but the odd thing was is that Sid wasn't home like he had said. And in those situations, the dispatcher's going to dial back the caller to be like, hey, what's going on?
0: Hi, this is the Miramar Police Department. You called for your wife?
3: yeah yeah
0: are you at the house now because the officer's knocking and no one's answering
3: no 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 one's no. there uh, i'm on my way over there okay i was telling you guys when i'm on my way to work but um.
0: okay uh-huh. and how long until you get there the officer's waiting i 20 20 30 minutes so 20 or 30. uh i wouldn't be able to tell you how long it will take me oh okay all right sir he's waiting um i'll let him know uh-huh. thank yes, thank you Bye.
1: You know, Scott, the fact that Sid wasn't at home and that he couldn't even nail down when he would get back there, what did that say to you?
2: Well, I mean, how serious was he about making this report? It is a bit of odd behavior, but like the 911 call, people handle stressful situations differently. So this could be the norm for him. Now, Sid is a manager at a dry ice company, and one question I would want to ask him is, could your work schedule be so busy that you would not have time to talk about your missing wife, and also the mother of your three children.
1: But, you know, if you know that you have to call 911, which is an emergency line, yet he doesn't even sound like there's any sense of urgency in his voice and being reluctant to go back, it almost strikes me that it wasn't a priority other than the obligatory having to make the call.
2: There is a protocol at almost every police agency here in the U.S. about how to handle A missing persons report. It normally begins by somebody reaching out to a police or sheriff's department that prompts a response by uniform officers or deputies to determine at that moment how urgent of a situation it could be. Like if it's a child or if it's someone who's elderly, those would set up different protocols than someone who was an adult who is suspected of being missing. That's when the determination is made to upgrade the investigation to a supervisor who would likely reach out to the Detective Bureau. Now, I'm not talking necessarily homicide, but probably missing persons at first. But in this case, the one we're talking about today, we've already said there were a couple of unusual things going on that led the initial officers and missing person detectives to reach out to Detective Jonathan Zeller.
4: It sounded weird, the case. There were flags that were up. Sounded like a little bit of foul play was involved. And we got involved.
1: Now, one thing you're going to all see right away is that Jonathan is a really smart investigator. You're going to hear it and what he did, and even when you hear the way he spoke to the various people involved. Well, back in 2018, others agreed, and he was named Miramar's Officer of the Year.
4: You know what? It's a real-life puzzle that I enjoy trying to solve, you know, these mysteries. I liked watching Columbo and those types of cop shows.
1: And if you don't know who Colombo is, I'm going to suggest that you look him up because I actually think it'll help you as you're listening to some of this podcast to understand who it is that Scott spoke to because Colombo is the guy known for his beige overcoat. He was clearly a relentless, excellent investigator, and he was all about the detective work. And that's exactly how Jonathan Zeller strikes me as I listen to him on this case.
2: Very quickly, detectives began to establish an important fact from day one in the investigation. Vallette didn't seem like the person to just walk away. And most likely, something bad had happened to her.
4: How everybody else described, you know, Vallette Torres, as far as being a great mom, you know, church going, you know, to work. She also didn't make it to work that day either, okay? And that was also not like her at all. So these are all the flags that go up why we get involved, you know, at our level.
1: Now, almost right away, investigators did notice something unusual when they listened to that 911 call played back when Sid was giving a quick rundown of the events from Friday to Monday.
3: My wife's been Saturday, she was in here. Sunday I definitely did it. So you did what? Sunday I definitely
4: did it. So the dispatcher, or the 911 call taker, you know, catches on real quick and says, you did what?
3: So you did what? I mean,
4: um, And his response, like, uh, oh, oh, uh, you know, uh, she didn't come home yet.
3: I mean, um, it was one of she didn't show
4: up either. I think that's the proverbial Freudian slip, if you want to call it that.
1: No one's saying anything to him. He is reporting his wife is missing in the middle of a timeline. He says, I definitely did it.
2: Now, Anasiga, you and I have talked about this element
1: before, and it's often referred to as guilty knowledge. And for prosecutors, we're always going to call it what we're going to call it in court, and that's consciousness of guilt. So while we don't know what that did it is, because we don't even know where Vallette is, it just makes you think that none of this is going to turn out well, at least not for Vallette.
2: So we know this, and you probably know this, but obviously detectives want to talk to Sid and get his take. And there is a lot to unpack about Sid and also Vallette. But before we do, it's important to get an understanding of the home, the neighborhood, and the timeline of events. They always say the first 48 hours of every missing person case is the most crucial. So let us dig into the first 48 hours.
1: Let's start with Friday. Police could prove that she was alive on Friday because her car was spotted.
4: We had the tag for her car. We ran it through the SunPass system, which is the toll system here in Florida.
2: So meanwhile, Sid took the kids out, and he clearly told that to investigators up front.
4: So he goes to pick up the kids. He's late in picking up the kids and used the excuse that he got tied up with work.
2: Sid's original plans were to take the kids to Disneyland, but he changed his mind.
4: What he decides to do is take the kids on a train ride, starting from Miami all the way to Fort Lauderdale, going to see a movie with the kids.
2: While they were out, the daughter calls Vallette, and Vallette is out having dinner with a coworker.
4: Come to find out what the daughter had told us was that while she's on the phone with her mother, Sid asks his daughter to ask her mother, where are you at? The response that Belette gave to her daughter was, I'm having dinner with a friend. From there, they go to IHOP to have a late dinner. And then they go back to Belette's house
1: Sid had actually moved out September of the previous year. That was six months before that this couple had now been separated.
4: According to the daughter, they didn't want to stay at their grandparents' home. So Sid took the kids back home, and they all went to bed in the master bedroom, all four of them, the three kids and Sid.
2: As Friday turns to Saturday, her car
4: is spotted again. She was making her way to her home. She parked in guest parking and enters the gate on foot. We also have surveillance footage from the gated community that she lives in showing her entering the community. And then we have another surveillance system from another house showing the car passing and parking the car in front of where she lived.
1: This was at 5.17 a.m. And from that point forward, Vallette was never seen again on video.
4: When she arrived home, that van, her minivan, okay, where she parked, that's exactly where it stayed the whole time. There was never any evidence of her leaving the community, leaving her in her car and coming back. There was nothing like that at all.
2: So at the moment, investigators have every reason to want to talk to Sid further, more than just someone who is a husband, more like someone who may be a person of interest.
3: Hey, oh, hey, yes. hey, how you know? I'm Detective the, Toyota. The this
2: is okay. Detective um, Zeller. We often talk about the mindset investigators have walking into an interview room when speaking with someone who may be suspected of a crime, perhaps is even as serious as homicide. It's all about setting up a type of rapport, a level of trust, not revealing that you as the investigator already have serious suspicions. And the reason... It's unlikely the person will be giving up anything unless they're ready to confess, which we all know doesn't happen very often. So you don't want them to know that you're suspicious of them because they'll just lawyer up, clam up, all these different things, and you won't be successful in getting any information. One of the moments that you'll hear a portion of is Detective Zeller's interview with Sid. And the audio may not be great, but it is very real.
3: We want you to go over it again. Okay. Just because, so we didn't lose anything in translation with the, with the uniformed officer.
1: And what's also very real that you hear is where it took place, because it was in the home that Sid once shared with Villette. And it really, you can hear how very conversational and relaxed, at least to a degree, this initial conversation was.
3: What's the status of your relationship? Uh, she has a boyfriend, and we come to an agreement that I was going to move out and eventually, hopefully, work out
1: relationship between Sid and Valette is complicated, to say the least, but it's also long. The couple met in high school, they quickly fell in love, and then they got married. Now their paths took them on different ways, although the couple remained together. She finished her education at the University of Miami, Sid took some classes, but then he joined the armed services and entered the Marines. And
3: how long have you been together, totally? 20 years. 20 years.
1: But it was his work, how much he worked, that really seems to be the thing that started to fray this marriage.
3: — We were not separated because of, of you know, differences. We just we separated because of the one. — Okay, so there wasn't anything marital that you were separated. Yeah. So did they draw divorce papers, the attorney? — The attorney got, uh, no, got my signature on my contract. — Who was the attorney? Uh, — I don't
2: even know his name. Here is another one of those very unusual moments that was born out of this interview. Sit told investigators that he hired an attorney and filed for divorce, but he did not know the attorney's name. I find that a bit odd. And
3: like I said, I mean, it's not of her not to be one o'clock the morning, not to come to see the house. It's just not her.
4: you think anything bad as bad has happened to her? Uh, I don't
3: think so, bad. I mean, uh, uh, I don't think so, bad. really. She's probably having the time of her life. And, It'd be stupid, but, uh, she
1: comes, but then all of a sudden he is emotional to the point that he is crying when he talks about his love for this woman and the fact that their marriage is falling apart. I don't know
3: where she could be, that's, that's what worries me. That's all that you know what? Don't stay up late, so late
1: I really could sense that inner turmoil that he was experiencing.
3: Obviously, my little one, cousin tells me uh, we're going to try to find mommy today.
1: Detectives are going to speak to everyone that they can find that is closest to Valette, and in this case, that's including her 13-year-old daughter.
2: And that formal interview is where this case takes its first big turn.
4: When we interviewed her, you know, she told us that that particular night she had woken up hearing these, what she described as howling noises. She also said that she heard her mother crying, too. She also then heard you know, her father saying, no, you wake up, no, you wake up several times. Not to her, but this is what she's hearing. She never went downstairs to see what was going on or anything like that. She just went back to sleep. And the reason that it's telling is because when she describes these like these howling noises or whatnot, think about this. If someone's being choked, you know, and they're making that noise of, of being choked. Maybe that could be the, the the sound that she's describing or these howling noises she's describing. I don't know
1: so right there without even getting the rest of it you just know that something happened inside that house and we probably know who it is that caused it
2: everything seems to be pointing at sid but there's a piece of information that investigators learn that changes this entire investigation around and it doesn't have to do with sid this is a call police get from one of valette's neighbors
0: There's a neighbor of mine that was reported missing by her husband um, today. But um, I think I, I have some information about this lady.
1: Every day is a great day when you're not worrying about your appliances and home systems. And that's what you get with an American Home Shield warranty. Unexpected breakdowns like a leaky faucet or a faulty water heater won't break the bank with an American Home Shield warranty because covered repairs and replacements are taken care of, just like that. Choose a plan that works for you and your budget, and then it's simple. When a covered item in your home breaks, contact American Home Shield and their trusted and qualified pros will fix or replace it based on the coverage limits in your agreement. Don't worry. Be warranty. Right now, you can take 20% off. Go to ahs.com slash AOM now to save 20%. That's ahs.com slash AOM for 20% off any plan. American Home Shield. Don't worry, be warranty. See ahs.com slash contracts for coverage limits, including limit amounts, fees, limitations, and exclusions, New Jersey residents, the product being offered is a service contract and is separate and distinct from any product or service warranty which may be provided by the home builder or manufacturer. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo may be your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their 7-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles. Just a better way to watch TV. Philo has an unlimited DVR for one year. Save all your favorite shows so you can watch on your own schedule. Philo allows for multiple profiles and multiple streams, meaning everyone in the house can have their own saved shows and up to three simultaneous streams. Never fight over who gets to pick what to watch. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like ID, Lifetime and MTV. With Philo you can start watching in seconds for less money and less hassle. Try it yourself with their 7-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv/aom. That's p h i l o.tv/aom. Early on in this investigation, Detective Zeller learned much more about Valette, including that she had been seeing somebody else. He learned this from friends and also from Sid himself.
3: She's been going with this guy for a year now. Did you know who that guy is? They work together.
2: The man in her life, explained by Sid, was Zoe, a co-worker of Valette's. Now we have somebody brand new on the investigative radar, so I would want to talk to Zo and ask him questions not only about where was he or what involvement he may have in the disappearance, and that would give me some indications of where this investigation may lead.
4: He did tell us her coworker that she was seeing at the time and trying to somehow maybe implicate him in her disappearance.
2: And the question was, was Zo the person she was with the night before she was reported missing? So to find out, Detective Zeller did a sit down with Zoe who was able to provide some valuable information about that day that Vallette went missing. Zo said they had ice cream, later they had dinner, and at the end of the evening, he said they all went to his house down in Miami-Dade County, which is about 20, 25 miles south of Miramar.
4: We did interview him and he was super cooperative. He hid nothing. He told us what we asked and he told us more as well. He also gave us access to his cell phone. He gave us access to his bank accounts. He gave us everything that, you know, and more.
2: He then said he wasn't sure what the actual time the Vallette left, but he does remember an incident that occurred before leaving his home. She just came out with it and said, I have to go. I got to go. I have to go. And he found that concerning.
1: But, you know, when you think about Zoe, there's this, is that he may well have been the last person to have seen her before she entered into that gated community.
2: When you're talking to a potential witness, if they're an open-faced sandwich. I think that's a term for someone who's just willing to tell you everything, willing to provide everything, all the information that they have about what they know about potential disappearances or anything else relevant to a case. For all intents and purposes, Zoe was just an open-faced sandwich. He was willing to provide them cell phone records, any kind of video evidence that they may have putting him in a place where he can say, this is when she left and this is where I was for the rest of the night. So they quickly ruled zoe out as a potential suspect in her disappearance
1: and so once police rule out zoe then they have to look at who else could be responsible for Valette's disappearance
4: when we start off an investigation we start off in the middle and we kind of spiral our way out eliminating suspects from within and going now outside of it but once again during that spiraling i could never leave or eliminate sid as either a suspect or somebody that had something to do with her disappearance
1: And if it is Sid, then they're going to need to get the evidence to prove it. But before they're able to start looking and speaking to witnesses, witnesses start to come to them. A 911 dispatcher received a call from one of Vallette's neighbors.
0: There's a neighbor of mine that was reported missing by her husband, and her name is Valette Torres, and I spoke to her last on Thursday.
2: The concerned neighbor called because she believed... She had relevant information about Valette's disappearance.
0: And she and her husband have been having problems. And it just, I just, I don't know. I don't want to say, I just, it's things I know.
1: It didn't seem like there's anything all that unusual or out of the ordinary to hear that they're having problems. You know, this is a couple who things are so bad that they're actually getting a divorce. So it almost seems, well, of course they were having problems. But then police get another call.
0: Hi, um, my neighbor came over here about an hour ago. He told me his wife, who is soon to be his ex-wife, is missing. He says he hasn't seen her since Friday, although my boyfriend said that he saw her on Saturday morning, but her husband, her ex-husband, told me he last saw her on Friday.
2: Another important advantage of having these statements is verifying statements that Sid may have made to police, which could conflict his timeline of events. But it is what the caller told the 911 operator during that call that revealed a possible motive within that conversation.
0: Just a few weeks ago, she told me that he had tried to kill her, and she had told me that he told her the kids were going to be, be orphans.
4: You had officers that responded there, spoke to neighbors, and we were getting a different picture of what life or whatever was going on in that household it was not a pretty picture.
0: So I don't know what to do. I'm I'm nervous that maybe something's happened to her. And they have three small kids. And he said he I asked him where the kids were. And he said he was going to pick them up. And he hasn't been around for like a month. And my boyfriend and I don't know what to do. But I don't think I want the cop to be over here because we don't trust him. He's so creeped and weird.
1: And you know, hearing the call from me while well, we already had it from the daughter, hearing this, it is just like. Everything is just, the tables have turned and there's no way of coming back. And it's just, this is bad, this is bad, this is bad. And just the weeks before, the friend being told by Vallette that Sid had said the children were going to become orphans, it's almost like you were hearing this self-fulfilling prophecy come to life.
2: Now the question must be raised. If in fact these threats were real and if Sid is responsible for the disappearance of his estranged wife, what about the safety of the children
1: now? So they have Sid, he's agreed to be interviewed, he is cooperative to really every request they make, so they try to up it one more notch.
3: Right now, we're working a missing person, a mother of three. If you don't think that the husband is somebody that we have to iron out and say, this is where he was, this is what happened, we we have to verify all that. Let's face it, right now you probably have hopes that she's fine. There's an opposite side to that. That she's not fine. She could be dead somewhere. Alright? If that's the case, we have a job to do. In the first place, be perfectly honest with you, I don't know you from Adam, I'm not saying you did anything to her. We have to look at you first. Reason being is because when we move on to the next guy or the other guy or a girl, whoever it may be, we don't have some defense attorney later saying, well, wait a minute, what about the husband? Look, we checked him out from top to bottom, not a problem, yeah. all right? Now, I can tell you right now, your cooperativeness is good. It's good, I mean, you're not telling me that, hey, wait a minute, I don't want to talk to you. That would be like, wait a minute, why doesn't he want to talk to me? His wife is missing, all right? But we're not playing games with you, but no doubt, you're the prime suspect. We have to be able to eliminate you. We have to get past you first.
2: Get past you first. Now, that is a very interesting statement to use within an investigation, but a great technique, and here's why. You're showing a person that there is a path to eliminate them if they just cooperate on this next step. Then you'll move on to potential reasons why she's missing or who may be involved in her disappearance, including perhaps the person that Sid felt was responsible, which was her new boyfriend.
4: Has she ever laid a hand on you or vice versa?
3: all right. yes. Yeah, there has been a few times here. What was the extent of the violence? Slapping, punching? Uh, Not punching, but yes, you know, grabbing her and grabbing her by the shoulder. What are you doing? Think of what you're doing, see?
1: Police had a strategy to really figure out exactly how truthful Sid was going to be. Now it is something that all of you have heard before.
3: And since we're on the subject of, of eliminating you, do you want to take a polygraph test?
1: And investigators aren't just thinking about what will happen during the actual polygraph, they're even thinking before, what's going to happen when they asked it to take one?
4: The reason that I asked if he wanted to take a polygraph or a computer voice stress analyzer was to determine whether, A, did he really want to do it and try to help out if he has nothing to hide, or was he gonna say, no, I'm not doing it? If we can set it up like, you know, now? It's gonna be in our office, not at the main police department.
1: You think about, let's assume for a minute that he's done something. So how is he going to react at just being asked to take the test? While he doesn't have to take the test, there's no obligation. Remember, he is playing the cooperative card. He is talking to the police whenever they want, wherever they want, saying yes to whatever requests they make. And so if he says no, why? So you'd almost think that he feels maybe boxed in that he must say yes.
2: Sid goes in that very same day to take the polygraph test, But here's the thing, he doesn't pass the test.
1: But he doesn't fail either. We're heading into spring and warmer temps often mean more travel on the horizon. If you're going somewhere where the language is not your own, how great to learn some before you go. Enter Rosetta Stone, the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. Rosetta Stone immerses you. You can pick up any language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's True Accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. I'm hoping to get to Europe this summer, and I've been using Rosetta Stone to brush up on French and to learn a little bit of Spanish. It's easy, intuitive, and I love that I can learn on the go with Rosetta Stone's app right on my phone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. It is available on desktop or can be used as an app on your phone or tablet. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Anatomy of Murder listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit RosettaStone.com/anatomy. That's fifty percent off unlimited access to twenty-five language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your fifty percent off at RosettaStone.com/anatomy today.
4: You do know why you're here, yeah? I'm not investigating this. What I'm doing is I'm going to conduct the computer voice stress analyzer.
2: The test that Sid would agree to take wasn't a traditional polygraph examination. At the time, the Miramar Police Department were utilizing something called CVSA, which is short for Computer Voice Stress Analyzer. The subject is not actually hooked up to the machine, but answers the questions into a microphone. The computer then registers micro tremors, which are tiny frequency modulations, in the human voice. And when the test subject is lying, the automatic or involuntary nervous system causes an inaudible increase in the micro tremors frequency. The CVSA detects, measures, and displays those changes.
4: There's a couple of questions that the detectives want me to ask you. They're very direct, but these are the questions that will be asked. While he's trying to set up the machine, he noticed, you know, that Sid was writing some things down, and this investigator asked him, you know, what are you doing?
3: You're taking notes, sir? No, no, you No. She pays the bills
4: and stuff. Oh, I'm just looking to see what bills I need to pay.
1: I found that odd for multiple reasons. I mean, one, if I'm going to a police precinct to talk about my missing loved one, I'm probably not even thinking of my bills and I'm certainly not taking them with me.
4: I thought that was weird too. So did the investigator. Hold on, you're here to take a polygraph or a CBSA and you're here worried about your bills? Another flag.
2: My take is it's a way of him displaying some human behavior. He was not nervous, right? He was like paying his bills, which is just as routine as answering you, the detective's questions, that he is cool as a cucumber.
1: But Scott, if you're called into a precinct, like if I'm called in the precinct today about anything that I definitely didn't do, like I can't imagine that I'm bringing my checkbook and writing out checks for, you know, my gas or heat at the time.
2: I think this is his way of dealing with things, and you know what? To be fair, that could be completely his personality.
1: I agree with you, Scott. Because as you were talking, I was starting to think just that. You know, it's also a great example of why, as investigators and prosecutors, we can never get tunnel vision. Like you said, maybe it's just him, and we're all reading much too into it. So, I guess we're going to find out.
4: Uh, is your name Sid? Yes. Do you suspect someone of killing Violet Torres? No. Are you wearing shoes? Yes.
3: Do you know who killed Vallette Torres? No. Are you sitting down? Yes.
2: Did you kill Vallette Torres? No. When investigators get the results of the CVSA, it wasn't what they expected. It turned out there was an issue with the machine.
1: You can't do anything with it now it doesn't tell you anything one way or another and i would really be hard pressed to think that he's going to allow them to try it again no matter what he's done or hasn't done so it was kind of like one shot and done and the machine totally messed them up
4: well i wasn't happy about it but listen things fail i get that it happens not everything is perfect do i wish that we could do it again yes did that time ever come no
2: So with the lack of any information from the CVSA, they choose to interview him again.
3: We know she came back to the neighborhood. But then on top of that, when we we have your daughter saying she woke up in the middle of the night and she heard what she heard. All right. I mean, it starts to add up. Wouldn't you agree? If she hears something, I wouldn't know. What does she hear?
1: All right. And here is where you start. Start to see the inner workings of Sid starting to come into play full force because there is this push and pull which is going on during that interview.
3: She heard her mom crying. I don't know whether I mean uh, she heard her mom crying. Was I because I was staying in the bed. She heard you crying too. All right. And oh. you weren't in bed. I was in bed.
1: And he just won't flinch, but he also won't give an inch. And he is really, while not outwardly combative, he is tug of warring with them every step of the way, which is really starting to show to me that his mind is starting to try to figure out how to deal with this and still come across as the cooperative, innocent husband.
4: I could not in good faith disregard anything that Sid told us or did, could not rule him out whatsoever.
2: But who was responsible for Vallette's disappearance is just a part of the mystery. The question really remains, where is she?
1: So thinking about where Vallette was last seen, she is seen going into the gated community. And remember, a neighbor says that he actually saw her going into the house. So those two areas, both the car, her car, and the house, could prove vital and certainly give vital information and clues to investigators. So they want to get into both, and they get the car. Remember, Sid let them tow it away, and they search it. But when they do, they got nothing.
2: The next step for crime scene investigators was to do a similar search of the
4: Torres home. The goal there is to find any evidence or any indication of, uh, you know, that a crime was committed.
2: Would they be able to locate any signs of a struggle? How about
4: damage? Evidence of a fight? Maybe he stabbed her. Maybe he shot her. What about blood? We search it. We process it. We, you know, photograph it. All that to help us look for evidence.
1: What they did notice was very commonplace, but also telling, is that all her everyday items were there.
4: Whether it's her toothbrush, whether it's her clothing, whether it's whatever, all those things were still there in place. Nothing was taken of hers. Did it look like a normal household? Yeah, it looked normal to me. Was there any indication of anything that was broken or anything like that? No, there was
1: not. But while overall it looked like a normal house, they did find one more thing. Blood. In a missing
2: persons investigation where it's under suspicious circumstances, finding blood in the victim's home is a pretty big BRF, or big red flag. But before you go there, whose blood is it? Could it be the type of blood or a very small amount of blood just left on a wall or a floor from a small cut, and that was just transferred to the surface of the house? Could it really just be that?
4: Keep one thing in mind, too, is that even though there was blood in the house, We could never tell if that was from this incident, another incident. Was it an accident from one of the children? That's one of the scenarios that actually was true, is that there was some blood there, and it did belong to one of the kids that had an accident.
2: Just another bit of hopeful information, which turned out not to be useful.
1: So right now, the big question is, is Sid responsible for Vallette's disappearance? And it doesn't look from the outside like he's trying to hide anything. I mean, he'd agreed to this stress analyzer test, and on its face, at least, that doesn't seem like the actions of a killer.
2: Detectives did find out that Sid was hiding something. This is an interview between detectives and one of Sid and Valette's friends.
0: One morning, I heard he was buying cameras and things,
2: and I, I
4: tried to call her.
2: Anything that she talked or even also anything she said, he will not see it on his computer at work.
4: We had a co worker of Sid. Tell us that Sid would brag about, and he would actually show him on the computer. Hey, listen, this is the software that I use to, you know, see who she's texting or who she's calling, and so on and so forth.
3: He told you details that led you to believe exactly. that that he was yeah.
0: he was yeah.
2: spying yeah. on her. Sorry. I've always said that information is powerful. So, I've got a question for you. Have you ever had the feeling that someone wasn't being fully truthful with you when you needed to do a gut check because you're pretty sure something wasn't adding up about someone's past? Well, you should turn to Truthfinder. Whether it is a neighbor or a random phone number that keeps calling you, Truthfinder has you covered. You can search for people by their phone number, address, name, email, and more. Go to truthfinder.com slash anatomy for a special anatomy of murder offer. That's truthfinder.com slash A-N-A-T-O-M-Y
1: to access your special offer today. Buying jewelry is kind of like a dream scenario, whether you're buying for yourself or purchasing it for someone else. But the actual shopping process can be a bit overwhelming and you don't want to feel unsure about such a serious buy. Well, Blue Nile offers thousands of independently graded diamonds and fine jewelry at prices significantly below traditional retail. They also offer peace of mind with every purchase with some of the highest quality standards in the industry. And they have something for a variety of price points from diamond tennis bracelets to casual huggy earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are on hand 24/7 via phone or chat to help you with everything from technical questions to budget suggestions. And you can feel good about adding that item you've been eyeing to your cart, because Blue Nile also offers 30-day returns and a diamond price match guarantee. I've repeatedly shopped at Blue Nile. The website is easy to navigate, the selection is fantastic, and the pieces I've purchased have always been exactly what I was hoping they'd be when they arrived. From everyday gold hoops to pieces with a bit more sparkle, like the floating diamond pendant necklace I'm wearing today. Experience the ease and convenience of shopping at Blue Nile, the original online jeweler. Go to BlueNile.com today. That's BlueNile.com. As Jonathan is now interviewing the friends of Sid and Vallette, he and other investigators find out that Sid was, in fact, obsessed with Valette. In fact, he was paranoid, so bothered by seeing her with her co-workers, that even though they are separated, that he actually starts spying on her. This is another interview between detectives and one of Sid and Valette's friends.
3: He was able to read uh, the text messages that she was sending and to hear her conversations. He told you this? Yes. He, he said that he knew... Uh, everything that she was talking with the other person that she was going out with. And, you know, that's why he was so upset because uh, he kept listening to to this conversation and reading these text messages of everything, all the interchange between, you know, Billette and, he, and her friend.
1: You already do a sidestep into deeper, darker waters. Narcissistic, obsessive behavior,
2: and it may even fall into... Coercive control, in a sense, of just knowing and controlling information about them, who they're with, what they're saying, where they're going.
1: You know, it's not voyeuristic for just wanting to watch someone. There is a control aspect to it that had been going on for so long that is just disturbing now in a whole different way, even beyond Vallette being missing.
4: It may be weird for you, it may be weird for me, but for him, for a jealous person who everything that's going on with his wife. Not that weird at all. He wanted to keep tabs on her, no matter what time of the day it was. He just wanted to know everything that she was doing.
2: Based on the information Detective Zeller was getting from witnesses, he could tell that Sid was using some type of spyware on Vallette's phone.
4: This coworker is the one that told us about it. Now, he didn't have a name of the software. I requested his credit card usage. And from there, I saw there that he had payments to a company for a spy software.
1: When investigator Zeller starts to dig deeper, he finds out that Sid has been actually tracking Villette. He has installed spyware on her work computer.
4: You could actually see text messages, emails, all her contacts, all the phone calls, picture, videos. And one of the, the premier features of this software also was that you could actually activate the microphone and listen live.
2: You have to remember, this is 10 years ago. I mean, technology wasn't where it is today. It must have been really difficult to implement this program, not only in her phone, but her computer.
1: The levels of what he went to to really be tracking her in every single way that is most disturbing to me. It's incredible, and it's frightening. Going back to a 2014 NPR investigation, they found that 75%, I mean, just think about that, 75% of domestic violence shelters that were surveyed across the United States had encountered victims whose abusers had either used eavesdropping apps and that 85% had actually encountered victims whose abusers tracked them using GPS software.
4: Prior to installing the spy software, he was actually tracking her for well over a year
1: This has been going on for over a year
4: hold on a second if you have software that can track her why didn't you ever tell us about it we can also track her
2: you have to raise the question once you know that so why not early on in the investigation when detectives or even officers first came to his home and said hey you know you're reporting your wife missing why wasn't he helpful by saying hey wait a second i've got this app on my phone or my computer that actually tracks her. Let me see if I can help out. Let me take this information and see if we can pinpoint her location. Nothing. Bird chirps.
4: He could track his wife anytime he wanted to, and he failed to disclose that to us. You'd think
2: if he was really concerned about the mother of his three children, and is she in trouble? Is she being held against her will somewhere? He'd provide this
1: information, but never once did he admit that. While we all seem pretty clear that we think we know who is responsible, we still need to first show that a crime happened at all, which is why investigators really need to find Vallette. In the first few
2: hours, they're using
1: a lot of manpower to search, you know, a lot of
2: territory around their house in Miramar.
4: We did multiple searches, the whole entire community.
1: But Miramar PD's efforts are about to pay off. In one of those searches, they find a bag.
4: There was one particular search where they found like a garbage bag, and it just stunk so bad. They opened it,
1: and there's bones.
2: But we'll let you know right now, those remains are not Valette Torres. Who that turns out to be, and much, much more about Sid, to be revealed next week in part two of our story. Anatomy of Murder is an Audio Chuck original, produced and created by Weinberger Media and Frasetti Media. Ashley Flowers and Sumit David are executive producers.
1: So, what do you think, Chuck? Do you approve? <coughs> the living room is where you make some of life's most beautiful memories, but your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them.